Welcome to The Breakdown with James Lankford, where Oklahoma Senator James Lankford discusses policy issues in Congress. Thank you for listening today. This is The Breakdown. This is Senator James Langford from Oklahoma coming back to you with another round of the breakdown. Uh, we try to take a complicated issue that people hear in the news and break it down into its essential elements. That way, when you see people at work or chatting with folks at church or talking to your neighbor over the fence, and you hear them say one of the terms, you don't just have to nod your head and say, yep, I know what that means. You actually will know what that means, and you can tell them. Uh, so we try to take some of the tough issues, and certainly one of the tough issues we're facing right now is budgeting and what's happening in the federal government in budgeting and government shutdowns and continuing resolutions, all these things about CAPS deals. There's all these terms that get thrown around in the media, and most folks nod their head and think, yep, I've got it, but they really don't. We're hoping by the end of the uh, breakdown today uh, that you'll have some of the details and we can get a chance to be able to interact and talk about how we solving solve this. Uh, with me today at the breakdown is uh, my senior policy advisor. His name is Kevin Kinchlow. He hails from Durant, Oklahoma, and you've been on a breakdown before. So glad you're back again, Kevin. I have. Thank you, sir. This is my second time. Well, you're you're a long-term veteran on it. You've actually been on our team from the very beginning. What I affectionately call a franchise player uh, on the team on our staff have been an exceptionally valuable asset in the pride of Durant, Oklahoma, uh, getting a chance to be able to work on some of the toughest issues that we face as a nation. Glad you're here. Uh, so thanks for being a part of the conversation and what you do every week Appreciate uh, you as me, well. Uh, so if you're listening to The Breakdown, uh, obviously, and you are, uh, so I don't know why I would say if you're listening, because clearly you are listening, uh, but I just want to be able to remind folks they can also uh, subscribe to The Breakdown on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, or you can track all of our stuff on social media at, J- at Senator Lankford and, uh, and get all the details. So let, let, let's jump into all the information on this. Uh, we're in the middle of a budget conversation. It's the summertime, and in the summertime, we're supposed to be in the middle of what's called appropriation bills. And so just to back this up, we're the only country in the world that has a three-stage process to be able to move through budgeting. We have a budget process, which is like a big picture. Uh, imagine someone saying, we want to do certain things, and we're going to set a big number for it, but there's no details to it. We have what's called authorizing bills that actually talk through exactly the policy side of what it would be, and they authorize the spending, but it's not the actual spending. And the last stage of this is the appropriation bill. Uh, And there's 12 of those appropriation bills. They take all the spending in the federal government uh, that's on what's called the discretionary side. They break it all up into these 12 different individual bills, and each of those have to pass. So when people talk about we pass a budget, some people mean that's the whole thing that's actually appropriation bills. Some people would say that's just the first stage uh, for the budgeting items. Uh, but it, it's a process that we go through that's highly, highly partisan through the whole part of it because everybody's got opinions on how the federal dollars should be spent. Uh, but it's also incredibly difficult and is a long process. Uh, I, I jokingly say to folks, most families go through something like this on their own or just not as structured. Like someone would say, uh, sitting around at some point in Thanksgiving, and they would say in their family, hey, should we should we do a family vacation next year? Uh, and people would say, yeah, I, th- I think we should do a family vacation. It's just kind of a general, yeah, we should do a family vacation next year. Well, that would be like the budget process, mm-hmm. kind of a big picture. 
Uh, the authorizing would be a step later on when the family starts saying, what are we going to go to the beach? We're going to go to the mountains. We're going to go to a state park. We're going to go fishing. We're going to go to Disneyland. What what what, what are we going to do? And so then they kind of narrow it down and go, uh, let's go to a theme park. Let's do that as a family vacation. And maybe that's Six Flags in Dallas or maybe that's Disney Park or maybe that's Magic Mountain or, you know, we're, we're, we're going to try to go to a theme park. And so that would be like the authorizing portion. I would say, yeah, we decided we're going to do a family vacation. We decided the type of it. And then the appropriations would be like, no, this is the exact theme park we're going to. This is how much we're going to spend. This is how we're going to travel. So it gets down to a lot more details. We're stuck right now as a Congress in the very first stage of this, the budgeting process of it, Mm -hmm. trying to get to the big number. The House, the Senate, and the White House all have to come to an agreement based on what is the big number in the budget portion of it, uh, to technically use that term. And that's a long-term process. Kevin, this has been going on for quite a while at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many years has this kind of process been a problem for us? So in, really, it started in 2011. I mean, it's always been a little bit of an issue. But in 2011, we passed something called the Budget Control Act, which set spending caps for which, 10 years out. But which worked, which actually did reduce spending. That's right. Yeah, That's right. And unfortunately, what's happened over the last few years is that defense spending has been connected to what we call domestic spending on things like healthcare, education, housing. And so if you raise one, you really have to raise the other. And this is the core of the disagreement that we have now and the reason we can't come to agreement on the total top line spending. Yeah, this whole concept that you hear people talk about and say, well, let's talk about uh, defense spending right. has to be the same amount as non-defense mm-hmm. spending. Parity. That, that, that was not a conversation before the Obama administration. That was never even discussed. Right, that's new. Now that is the new standard, quote unquote, for the Democratic colleagues to say, Anytime you increase uh, defense spending, mm-hmm. whether it's needed, whatever it may be, if you if you do anything for defense, you have to do just as much for every other area of government as you do for defense. That's exactly right. That has certainly caused a problem because th- there are times that you're going to need things in defense, and you may not need the same amount of things for the IRS, or you may not need the same things for uh, different agencies that are out there. Pick any one of them. To, to say I'm going to treat, quote-unquote, all my children the same doesn't mean anything uh, when you actually transition into the federal government to say not everybody has the same needs at the same right. time. And so we should have some way to resolve it. So our challenge right now is trying to be able to work with the House of Representatives, our Senate body, and then also with the White House and come to an agreement just on what the overall number is going to be divided out, what's going to be defense and what's going to be non-defense. Once we get past that, then what's the next stage on that, Kevin? So, we, yeah, as soon as we come to a caps deal and said top that, line. The, the caps deal is that, is the, the budget cap, the, the, the maximum amount that we're going to spend. That's right. The top line spending for the next two years, sort of the final two years of the Budget Control Act. And so once we reach that agreement, then we have to deal with what's called the debt ceiling, which is the total amount of obligations that we have. Uh, that's projected to be breached at some point in September or October. So we have to deal with that very, very soon. It's likely that those two things will take a ride on the same vehicle. Um, and then we actually have to pass spending bills for the next the next year, FY 2020. And so those those three things are really what we have coming up. So that's that's the 12 appropriation bills right. we're talking about, where you break it all up. Those 12 bills have to pass. Now, mm-hmm. if those 12 bills pass individually, which is the way they're supposed to work, and they pass all on time, they all have to pass by October the 1st. That's right. Because that's the end of the fiscal year. Our fiscal year is October the 1st until September the 30th. So they've got to all be done by October the 1st. Mm-hmm. So 
here, here's the challenge that people don't know. This whole system of having a, a budget, authorizing bills, appropriating bills, this whole structure was created in 1974, right after Watergate. Uh, so that this, this structure has only worked four times since 1974, four times as it was designed. So I get people in Oklahoma all the time that say to me, how come the budget's not working again this year? And it's this implication like this particular Congress is so messed up, it's not working. It's only worked four times yeah. ever as it was designed since 1974. That's why you and I and several other folks in other offices have started working on how do we fix the whole budget process? Right. We've got to fix the whole thing. And that's that's a different conversation for a different day. We've got a whole series of proposals. In fact, on last year in our federal fumble book, we included a whole section on how to be able to fix the budget process to be able to make that better. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that everyone deals with, though, is we get to the end of the fiscal year. Let's say we get to September 30th. What happens that day? If all if an appropriation bill is not passed or any of the appropriation bills are not passed, so for the rest of the years that weren't those four years where it worked, um, we usually have to we're, we're faced with a choice. We have to pass what's called a continuing resolution, which means that we're just spending at last year's rates. That's all that means. But no, no new policy can be implemented. No new uh, contracting starts or anything like that. It's just last year's spending rates, and that's it. We just continue that forward for a set time, whatever we deem right. necessary. Or we shut down. Right. So, really, is, yeah, there's really just two options. You get to the end, right. appropriation bills are not done. You either have to vote for and pass a continuing resolution, what some people call a CR. You'll hear that term CR thrown around all the time, like people know what that means. Mm-hmm. It's continuing resolution. It is continuing the same level of spending that we had before. Or you have a government shutdown. And again, that's not a new thing. I've had some folks say these crazy government shutdowns lately. We've had 21 government shutdowns in the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. 21. Uh, people forget that Tip O'Neill shut the government down three times on Ronald Reagan when he was president. Uh, th- this has happened in almost every presidency since the 1974 time period. Uh, we have government shutdowns when we get to the end of the fiscal year and things aren't resolved. Some are longer than others. In fact, the one that happened earlier this year was the longest ever in the history of government shutdowns, uh, the long and sordid history, I should say, of government shutdowns. Uh, but uh, we, we get to that point of government shutdown. So we've raised a question to our colleagues. You've worked on the staff level talking to other staff. I've worked with other members trying to figure out this simple thing. How do we take government shutdowns off the table? Right. Because when a government shutdown happens, federal workers still will eventually get paid. But the contractors that work in the federal government, mm-hmm. they don't get paid. And it creates total chaos right. in those families. I mean, for families not to get a paycheck, and, and it doesn't help for people to say, well, one day you'll get paid, everything will get paid right. back. That, that just doesn't help people. Nonsensical. Uh, so it's crazy. People call an agency trying to get a permit, trying to be able to contact, get a passport, trying to be able to work on whatever it may be, and they'll say, I'm sorry, we can't do that right now. We're half our staff. Half our staff's on furlough because of the... Uh, because of the government shutdown. The other half is here for emergency measures only. Uh, so it, while we still have police and fire and we still have law enforcement, uh, federal law enforcement, and we still have our military working and basic Social Security, all those things basically still function in a shutdown. It's crazy and chaotic. So I believe, you believe, that we've got to find a way to be able to solve mm-hmm. the government shutdown right. fight. And this is not new. Uh, you and I have worked on this for years. Uh, we had a proposal several years ago where we'd said, okay, let's, let's make it simple. Let's do a continuing resolution, and if it doesn't get if the budget doesn't get resolved, then we'll start ratcheting the numbers down. We'll just reduce spending a little bit each month until we actually get to a decision here. 
Republicans all jumped on board and said, that's a great idea. The problem is we never had a single Democrat that joined that. They said, you crazy Republicans will never, ever do a budget again because all you want to do is cut spending. We actually want to be more strategic in spending. We're not just trying to cut every single line item in every single place. So I I don't agree with where they're coming from on that because we don't want to just see across-the-board cuts to everything. There are, there are areas of government that need additional spending. There are areas of government that need less spending. Uh, so I want to be more strategic. But we couldn't get a single Democrat on that, right. and we tried that for several years. So then this conversation popped out about well, let's do no, no budget, no pay, uh, which really means no appropriations, no pay, mm-hmm. but that's a whole different issue. So if you get to the end of the fiscal year, appropriation bills are not done. Just members of Congress won't get paid. Well, that sounds like a great idea, except I should introduce you to some of the people that I work with because – a large number of the people that serve in the Senate are multimillionaires. Okay, their, their pay that comes in from their congressional salary really is like a rounding error to them in their investment portfolio. They, they, they really don't care. It, it doesn't matter to them. So this, what most Americans, uh, and myself included, uh, most Americans that our paycheck really does matter to us and trying to be able to figure out how we're going to do the next month and how we're going to pay bills and all those kinds of things, that's normal. For most of the people that I work with, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, their paycheck doesn't matter. So it's really not an incentive to try to actually get people to force to action if you just don't pay folks. Right. And I think that, you know, you don't want your congressional members making their, their choices on policy based on their pay. You want them making their choices based on the merits of the policy in front of right. them. Right. Right. And so it, by pitting wealthy members against those with more modest means, I think that's just the wrong way to go, which is the reason we've drop that out in the latest version. Yeah, and and I've tried to push back on some books because it makes a great bumper sticker. The problem is I don't think it really solves the problem because right. it really doesn't move people to action either. So we, we have a third option <laughs> that we have worked on that has been really interesting because it's gaining bipartisan support, which is a rare commodity around here. And it's a simple principle that you cannot leave until the work is done. <laughs> so kind of walk us through where we are on it right now, and I want to go through some of the details. So your the latest proposal is which is we've introduced with Senator Hassan got great bipartisan right who's support. a de- Democrat senator from New Hampshire that's right that's right and so we've kind of taken some of these ideas and married them together so we take the auto CR and so that solves the shutdown threat as soon as we lapse in appropriations the auto CR would kick in and we're just spending at last year's rates okay so let's go back on that okay. September the thirtieth comes we don't have all the bills passed right. for our appropriation mm-hmm. now it's October the first. What, what you're saying in that in the description of it that we have is October the 1st comes, it looks exactly the same to the federal worker and to the American taxpayer than it did on the 30th of September. That's exactly uh, right. So it's automatically a continuing resolution kicks in at last year's amounts. So it's basically a hold at last year's amounts, but things are still being funded. Federal workers are still going to work. As far as they know, everything is still functioning the same. That's right. No shutdown. No shutdown has occurred across the federal government. But here's the big shift. So pairing with that, we would set up a series of restrictions on actual members of Congress. And so those that, you know, have the responsibility to fund the government, this focuses the burden squarely on them. And so we would say, you're not going to adjourn for recess. You're not going to use uh, your official funds for travel. And that includes folks in state as well for their staff. Um, you're going to be here every single day voting at noon on a mandatory quorum call, which is just sort of a procedural vote to keep members in town. Um, and so those, that's really the big three that we would put in place, and we would put that in with an auto CR and so force people to be in town and to come to actually just make a decision yeah. on the spending. So, yeah, here, here's our simple idea in a nutshell. 
the federal workers held harmless in this. Mm -hmm. They can keep working. They're still continuing to get paid. The taxpayers are unaffected by it in that sense. So things are still operating as they did last year. But if we haven't made a decision in Washington, all the pressure's on the people to make a decision in Washington. They can't leave until the decision's made. Literally, there's no travel, no leaving D.C. until this is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the pressure then becomes time. It's not about money. It's about time. Uh, no matter how much money you make, everyone has the same precious commodity of time. That's exactly and right. And it's a limitation. And so our pressure point is, sure, you can leave and go do the things in state, do your international responsibilities, do the other things. When you get the first things done first, one of our first constitutional responsibilities is getting the budgeting done. That has to be done. And so we're putting the pressure where the pressure should be on the members and on their staff. You would be stuck in D.C. with me. Uh, you also couldn't travel. My, my staff in state could not travel as well. Uh, everyone would be locked down, including some of the staff that does the budgeting at the White House. They would also be locked down. Right. They couldn't travel either. We're all in D.C. until we finish the negotiations. This past year, during the government shutdown, it started right before Christmas. And members left to go home for Christmas while we're in a government shutdown. I was one of the very last members to leave D.C. uh, in December because I kept pushing to find some way to be able to get us to negotiations. And literally, the place was empty when I left in December. And it was finally to the point of everyone's leaving and they're not coming back. My pressure was, if you want to go home for Christmas, if we're still fighting this out in December or around Thanksgiving, if you want to go home, fine. Let's get the budget issues resolved. We're going to have a fight every single year on budget. We don't agree. I want to spend a lot less than some of my colleagues want to be able to spend on things. We're going to have disagreements on spending. Let's have those disagreements, and let's keep the argument going until we solve it and get to the decision. And then once we get to the decision, we can pass that. Then we can resume the rest of our work that needs to be done because we've got more work that needs to be done. But that's got to get done. But in the meantime... Federal workers and their families and the American people should be held harmless. That's right. And so this is the only bipartisan legitimate effort to make this happen. And so we have our work cut out for us in the next few weeks to finalize the language, pass this through uh, the committee the process. Committee. The yeah. second committee. That's yeah. right. We've worked this through one already. Yeah we've, yeah, we've already finished one, and we had an overwhelming bipartisan vote. Overwhelming. I think it was ten to two. Yeah, yeah. So, so we 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 had very strong response initially from this, from both sides of the aisle, of people saying that would actually work, <laughs> that would actually get us to a point where we can make a decision. Uh, it's not a matter of punishing members of Congress. It's just saying stay until the work's done, and then we can move on. Yeah, pretty simple concept overall. So. We'll be working on that in the next few weeks and working that through the process and hopefully get that resolved this year. So the big challenge that we have is still coming September the 30th of this year. And so here are the multiple tracks that are happening. You mentioned debt ceiling. Mm-hmm. That's that's in conversation right now. We still have to get to the big number, uh, the first big number. And once we get to that agreement, doing the 12 appropriation bills. And at the same time, we're trying to run this track to be able to stop government shutdowns. We're hoping to get this done at the same time we do the rest of the budgeting right. and appropriation items to say, let's resolve this. I've met with members of the White House staff. I've met with members that are in leadership in the House and in the Senate. Everyone's nodding their head saying, that's an idea mm-hmm. that I think will work. We're going to continue to be able to work and see if we can't get this resolved. We've got a lot of issues to resolve on budgeting. But government shutdowns just shouldn't be on the table right. as one of the prime issues and one of the prime tools because at the end of the day, it doesn't really help us. It, in fact, hurts us. Mm-hmm. And so if it costs more to do a government shutdown. It causes more chaos. It causes vulnerability in our security. We need to be able to resolve this at the end. 
So here we go. Uh, so if the next couple of weeks, as y'all are watching for us, you can keep up to date. Uh, if you're on our e-newsletter that we send out about every three or four weeks, uh, we'll give you updates on how the Government Shutdown Prevention Act is moving. We can send you the exact language on it if you're a nerdy folks like us that want to actually go through all the exact legislative language and to see exactly what that looks like. We'd be glad to be able to send that out to you. If you've got ideas on how to be able to make it better, uh, we'd be glad to be able to have your ideas. Bring it on. Uh, that's how a lot of this stuff happens is people start kicking around in this idea. We think that's a good idea and start trying to be able to put it into legislative language and try to get it resolved. We've got this issue and a bunch more that we're working through right now. I, I wish was the only this was the only thing we're working on. We're working on international policy. We're working on lots of other areas on budgeting, immigration policy, education policy, uh, environmental issues, uh, energy issues. We've got a lot that's moving right now. But we thought we'd cut out one slice that you'll hear in the news a lot in the next three months. That is continuing resolutions, appropriations and government shutdowns. And hopefully this helps explain some of those. And so when we get to September the 30th of this year, people will know what all those terms mean, but they'll also know there is a way to be able to get this stuff done and to be able to get it done on time. So thanks for joining us on the breakdown. Kevin, thanks again for all your work and for the time to be able to be here on mic with me here today. Thanks for having me. If you want more information on any of these things, just go to at Senator Langford on social media. Uh, You can also go on our website at langford.senate.gov. Or again, you can sign up and subscribe for our podcast uh, that is on Spotify, iTunes, or on SoundCloud. Look forward to getting a chance to catch up with you again in the days ahead.